Well, good morning, my friends. I pray that you are well. This is podcast number 405. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look at our memory verse or verses, depending on if you want to memorize both. It says this in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, his sight, the word of God. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who, to whom we must give an account. And again, who is the word of God? It is John 1, 1. It is, it is Christ, right? In the word, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 14 uh, he, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the one and only son of God. I've been studying in, uh, on, on God and his love. And you remember in, uh, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, you can't see my glory or you will die. And then we fast forward to the New Testament. And the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, that that uh, that the word of God became flesh and it dwelt among us. And, and, and we don't really get that connection to the Old Testament until we continue to read. And it says... Uh, and we have seen his glory, underlying glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, you can't see my glory or you shall die. So what does God do? God wraps his glory, his son, in human flesh and sends him to us so that we won't die. But on the contrary, we will actually live. Show me your glory. I've shown you my glory. And then in John chapter 14, Philip says, God, show us our father, or Jesus, show us, teacher, show us the father. And Jesus said, I've shown you the father because if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Just a little side note of, of what I've been looking at. And I hope that ministers to you. So we look at our memory verses and we and we think, why in the world is this so imperative and so important that uh, that we know the word of God? Because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So we so we go to our toolbox when we face a situation and we pull out the word of God. And my toolbox is getting more and more full as I'm studying and I'm and writing down more scriptures. I just have them there and I can pull them out and I can look at them. And I pray that you have some kind of a toolbox or some kind of a card box where you can do the same thing. So today, let's look at a different subject. So Pastor Gary, I'm facing temptation. What would you tell me to do? I would tell you to get to the Word of God. I would tell you to go to your toolbox and pull out some scriptures. And let me give you some scriptures so that when you are tempted, not if you're tempted, but when you are tempted, you will have a tool in your toolbox to face it. In James, right after Hebrews is the book of James, James chapter 1 Verse 13, James 1, 13, let no man say when he is tempted, not if he is tempted, but when he is tempted, 
I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives forth death, or brings forth death. First of all, we're not tempted by God, so put that out of your vocabulary. Understand that there are trials that come our way. James talks about that in James 1, verses 2 through 4. There are trials that come our way, but trials are not temptation. And temptation in and of themselves is not sin. It's when we yield to them ten- the temptation that it becomes sin. In James 1, go down to verse 19. 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be Quick to hear, remember we have two ears, one mouth, right? Slow to speak, take your time when you respond, make sure you're responding not out of some emotional need to to defend yourself and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's a two-part there. The first part is to put away. Is not to bring things into our view, to do the best we can to protect our eyes, to protect our minds from the things of this, this, this world that would tempt us and draw us away. And then we need to receive the implanted word of God which is able to save your souls. Underline the word implanted. What is implanted? That means to place the word of God within you so that you may be able to deal with any of this stuff that comes. But first and foremost, don't have it in front of you. We need to be very, very careful about what we place in front of us. Now go to Job. Right before Psalms is the book of Job. I want you to to notice what Job says about his life. In Job uh, chapter 30, what scripture? Job chapter 31 and verse 1. Job chapter 31 and verse 1. Job says this, his final appeal. He says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then shall I gaze at a virgin? Another uh, version, I think it's NIV, says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at any woman. Man, this is incredibly important for us. Make a covenant with your eyes, with your God, that I'm not going to look and I'm not going to lust. That's that's a a very um, easy thing to get involved in in our world today. Because everything is saturated. Sex sells, as they as they say. So make a covenant with your eyes. It's not that first look that's going to get you in trouble. It's the gazing at this. And, and all of a sudden, it becomes lust. We need to be careful. And in our world today, it's just as imperative for women to do the same thing. We are, are facing a time when uh, the pornography industry has as many women involved in looking at the pornography as men. So make a covenant with your eyes that you will, um, you'll not go there. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
First Corinthians. <clears throat> Let me take a drink of water here. Chapter 10 and verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. <clears throat> but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God knows that, that we are in a, in a world that temptation is rampant. And so what does he do for us? He makes a way of escape. He makes a way of escape. And I would tell you that the number one way of escape is the word of God. I believe that with my whole heart. That we plant the word of God, the implanted word of God in our hearts is our number one way to fight it. We go to our toolbox. We pull out a scripture. Here's a scripture we can pull out. Let's look at James chapter four. Back to James chapter four and verse seven. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, there's, there's always our part. There's always our part. He says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. That's the submitting. That's the yielding our lives to the Lord. And then we fight against the devil. We resist him. And when we resist him in Jesus' name, he has to flee. Then it says to, to, to cleanse our hearts. Draw near to God. Cleanse our hearts. Purify our hearts. Cleanse our hands. And not be double-minded. James goes on to say a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so we need to draw near to God. Each and every morning, get up and begin to draw near to him again. The great news about it is that Hebrews 13, 5 says he never leaves us or forsakes us. But we need to press in. We need to press into him. And in Revelation chapter 3, he's talking to the churches and he says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in and my father and I will fellowship with you. He stands at the door of the church. He stands at the door of the Christian and he knocks. Why? Because it is more than just an initial salvation experience we need. We need to grow in the, the fear and the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord. Grow in the grace of the Lord. And how do we do that? We go to our toolbox and we pull out scriptures. And we know that we need to grow. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. I think I misquoted this the other day. I said it was Proverbs chapter 4.32. And I apologize for that. It's Proverbs chapter 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, so if you were searching at 32, there is no 32. Sorry about that. I, I mixed some scriptures up myself. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance. You keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart. It's like setting a sentry at your heart. And what's the sentry? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And we set it around our heart to protect our hearts. And we do it with all diligence, he says, or all diligence would be another word. We make a, 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 a decision that we're going to protect our hearts and not let things um, come out uh, or, or invade our hearts. That it must pass through the word of God to get to us. Look at First Peter chapter 2. 
First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-one. First Peter two twenty-one. Peter's talking about suffering here, which is different than temptation. But I want to show you a, a particular scripture in here that that should help us. First Peter two twenty-one. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges uh, uh, justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Notice in verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body. This is so critical that we understand that Jesus himself faced temptation in his body. When he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness in Matthew chapter four, verse four, he said, no man shall live by uh, the bread of, of life or or by by bread or by the things of this world. Right? We don't live by that. We don't survive by that. We don't survive by the nutrition or the the, the things of this world. How do we survive? We should survive by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew four four. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we go to our toolbox when we're facing different things and, and we just know that God is going to bless us. Let me, let me just randomly grab a scripture out of my toolbox that's in front of me. Write this scripture down, James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has uh, promised to those who love him. There's just a, a scripture out of my toolbox that I just randomly grab and I share with you. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Proverbs 19, 23, write that down. Fill your toolbox with tools. Fill your toolbox with tools. Fill your life up with the word of God, the presence of God. Now let's go to a final portion of scripture and we'll close. In Hebrews chapter four, Hebrews chapter four. Look at verse seven. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. Jesus offered up prayers and supplication. Why? Because he was being tempted. He was being tested in all ways, just like you and I with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus prayed and sometimes with loud cries in the in Gethsemane and on the cross there was loud cries and there was tears and there was there was sweat like the drops of blood. Jesus in in all ways faced what we faced. And so in reverence, he returned to his father, the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. So when we go in prayer to God, let's go with reverence. Let's approach the throne and let's approach it with reverence. Now, last scripture, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. 
through 16. Since then, because of all this that we've, that we know, because of all the things that we know, since then we have a high, great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. There are people who approach God without reverence. They just see, they treat him like the big man upstairs, like, hey, we're on great terms. And then there are people who approach God um, or say that we can't even approach God because they're fearful to come into his sight. And he says, no, no, neither one of those is true. We come to God with reverence, but we first of all must realize that we can come to God. The access has been made available because Jesus Christ in his body bore our sins. That's good news, church. Let's come before him with reverence. But when we face temptation, let's have something, not just someone, but something to battle with. Yes, the word of God is alive and active. Yes, the word of God is Jesus Christ. But we need to plant that word within our lives. But I would challenge you, if you struggle to to memorize scripture, continue to work on it, but have your toolbox open on your desk where you study. In your purse, in your car, have three by five scriptures so so that when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're able to grab that scripture and and say, I'm going to be slow to anger here. I'm going to realize that I probably cut somebody off in traffic myself, that I'm I'm not uh, sinless. He who is out sin, without sin cast the first stone, right? But I struggle. And so I, I need to plant the word of God deep. Before you go into traffic, maybe you need to spend some time in prayer. Maybe that's a temptation for you, a struggle for you. And by the time you get to work during the day, you're so frustrated with the traffic. Maybe you need to start today praying, God, I know I'm going to face some difficult times. Be with me. You know your situation better than I. But without tools in your toolbox, you're in trouble. You wouldn't go to your job without your tools. You need tools in your toolbox to be able to face life. Let me pray with us in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.